Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning, this is Papa Tom at the Father's Heart Talk Show. And I have with me again today is Pastor Steve Heimbischner from, uh, is it North Dakota or South Dakota? Or Montana? Billings, Montana. Billings, Montana. I got to get that straight. I got you in the Dakotas. I always think you're in the Dakotas. Somewhere out there in the boondocks, <laughs> it's Billings, Montana. And... Uh, it's interesting because Steve and I have developed a really good relationship over the last two years, I guess, year and a half, and uh, we always seem to be on the same page. And what we're going to talk about today has to do with um, a little bit different take on what's happening in Israel right now with Hamas and that uh, events in that part of the world. Uh, it has struck me that um, what we're seeing on the news I'm always suspect of what we're seeing on the news because it's always trying to present a narrative that seems to be the people in power want us to see and not really understand what's happening in a deeper spiritual way. And God is always moving, and he's moving in ways that we don't understand as he tells us his ways are not our ways. And uh, we want to get a, a little different take on what God may be saying and what... Uh, what we could uh, wean from uh, the events that are happening because they are signs. Israel is very important in God's timetable. And what's happening there uh, may soon be happening in the United States. Um, and we're going to track that a little bit. Um, and things that are happening, both good and bad, but we don't want to frighten our audience. Uh, that's not our intention. It's always to look to uh, God and what he's doing and... Uh, uh, putting our eyes on him and pressing into his heart because after all it's the father's heart talk show so we want to understand the heart of god the father in all these machinations that are going on in the world so um let me just kick off this uh discussion by my mentioning earlier to uh pastor steve that i was sensing that the hamas was operating out of the, out of the spirit of the amalekites and I would venture to guess most of our audience do not even have a clue as to who the Amalekites are. So I think we need to go back, Steve, and talk about who are the Amalekites so we can describe them, if you're talking about them being in the spirit of the Amalekites, uh, attacking Israel. Uh, who were the Amalekites and what was that spirit about? You know, that's. Uh, I think you hit the right on the head, you know, with, with uh, what is happening here in our culture and, and a lot of ignorance because so many people aren't taught biblical history or what happens. And, you know, the Malachites showed up the first time when they were, what God told to get rid of them was with uh, Saul. And he was told to be able to go take the Agites and, and to be able to Amalekites and, and take care of them, take them all out, men, women, children, cattle, everything. And Saul did not. He kept the king and his wife and a bunch of sheep. Mm -hmm. And then the prophet Samuel was called, and he said, what, what have you done? You have been disobedient. You have not taken care of the Amalekites or the Agites. And so he took Samuel took the king and killed him. But the king's wife, who was pregnant escaped and that through that child then came through the feast of esther and then we see haman uh that came through that 
whole thing trying to again kill all of the um, of the Israelites. So you're saying that, that Haman was an Amalekite? The Amalekites came and you know they tried to kill all the Israelites, and so this spirit is not new, but it's because it goes back to what Saul was disobedient on, and Joshua was supposed to take care of them when they went into the promised land. That was a few hundred years before. Yeah, yeah no, I remember so that, reading about the uh, Amalekite. Apparently, Amalek was one of the sons of Esau. So if you yes. trace up back through that line, he came from Esau. Now, Esau was, um, the scripture tells us, uh, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Now, sometimes that word hated would be preferred less. But the concept is that uh, Jacob and Esau were always at odds each other. When Esau stole Jacob's, or took, I don't know if he stole, he traded actually, of getting the blessing, uh, his birthright to begin with for a bowl of soup uh, was the first thing that happened between Jacob and Esau. And Esau traded away, so it wasn't stolen. It was actually given away. And the other part of it was uh, he surreptitiously, Jacob surreptitiously got the blessing from Isaac, his father. So he got the blessing and the birthright, and it was, you know, they were at each other's throats, or, or certainly Esau was angered and wanted to kill him and vowed to kill Jacob and his descendants. Later on, they had a meeting, maybe 20 years later, and he didn't kill him. I explained exactly why. God protected it. Uh, but that vow is still out there. And what we find is that one of the sons, because Esau uh, married Canaanite women, which irritated his mom and dad. And out of that Canaanite woman, he created the Edomites, which were red. Edom means red, which I think we actually get the word Rothschild later on. We'll get that later. Right. Uh, red Rothschild means red shield. The Edomites were red, and the intermeaning people appear to be the Karazians. But one of the particular sons of Esau was named Amalek, and that was a particularly bad strain. It was a bad tribe. And um, you mentioned Joshua, and they were coming into the Promised Land. It was the Amalekites that would sneak behind the Israelites and, right. and, and knock off the weak ones. The ones who were the stragglers, the the uh, the old people who couldn't keep up, and the, the children and the uh, those people who were the soft targets, they would say in a military sense. And that same spirit of the Amalekites that we saw evidence in the time of Joshua, uh, coming up from behind and attacking uh, the Israelites as they were leaving the Promised Land from behind, you see that same spirit operating in Hamas today. They're going after the soft targets. They're going after the old people. They're going after the, the women, children, even babies. And, and with no conscience or, or human life, no, no sensitivity of um, propriety. It's not really a warlike thing of two armies. It's, a, it's really terrorism. And the spirit of terrorism is evident in the Amalekite spirit because that's the level of hate that they have and express to the Jewish people. Right. You know, and that's uh, because of that hatred. And you know what's so sad is that we sometimes forget in our culture the spirit that can go through 10 generations. Right. And this is what has happened. And, and we try to think we're going to be okay because we don't have that anymore. But it there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. And we're going to fight the same demons. We're going to fight the same battles. And we're fighting the same thing with 
you know, the Amalekite spirit still shows up in the LBGT program, the trafficking. We're seeing the same spirit in abortion. I mean, it goes on and on and on. The uh, Amalekite spirit was known as the highest or most intense, highest not that word, the most intense form of anti-Semitism came out of the Amalekites. There's no group of people that hated the uh, Israelites more than the Amalekites. And that's why God told Saul to tell Samuel to, uh, I'm sorry, called Samuel to tell Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. Every man, woman, child, every goat, every sheep, I don't know if it was cats and dogs, but every animal that was associated with the tribe needed to be wiped out and wiped out forever. You know, I talked to some Jewish people and they really say, wasn't that cruel? of um, God to tell Samuel the prophet, to tell Saul uh, to wipe out these people. And Samuel quite clearly made clear to Saul, it's not cruel because these people would destroy Israel had we not destroyed them. And we need to come back in another uh, few seconds, in a few minutes, and we will be back with Pastor Steve Heimbrichner and continue our story about Hamas and Israel. back with Pastor Steve Heimbischner, and we're talking about what's happening in Israel right now between uh, Israel and Hamas. And we were just finishing up talking about this discussion of the Amalekites and the spirit of the Amalekites, which is the most severe, intense form of anti-Semitism that's going on through that spirit, um, and that's uh, operating through Hamas. And yet we find in our own country, we have different takes on that, Steve. We have different universities, like I heard a story about something and happening in Harvard, for example, that uh, many universities have these uh, groups that are raising Palestinian flags, and they're, they're trying to get Israel to stop fighting against Hamas, because Israel now is on the counterattack. So what's your thoughts about that perspective? You know, and again, it's just because of, um, you know, and everybody has the right to do whatever they want to do. Uh, but the problem comes in is uh, lack of education, ignorance as to what's really happening. And the sad part is, is that where are most people going to get educated on understanding what is happening? Why are people so hatred towards the Jewish people? I mean, the statistics are out that anti-Semitism is higher now in our country than it was back in World War One and Two. I mean, how can that be? We're educated. We're smarter. We're, you know, we've got a lot more going on. We, and how can we have more anti-Semitism than we had back then? You know, we're supposed to be more sensitive and all that kind of stuff. I mean, where is this coming from other than it comes through the bloodline? It comes through a spirit that is still trying to manifest the same thing. And, and that's the sad part that we're, we're seeing. Uh, children are growing up not knowing what who they are um, because of that we have lost identity. And why are we talked earlier a little bit about why are so many people not going back to church? They've lost their identity. They don't know where their identity came from. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening with Israel and Hamas right now. They, they want to destroy Israel's identity. Mm -hmm. And and you know you, when you take a look at what can what is it about? It's about peace, but there's only there are two realms. There's the uh, Palestinians 
and 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 the, you know, looking at what they're Hamas and you know the Muslims and all that. And then there's the Israeli people, and there's been this battle going on since wow, the beginning of time since Abraham almost, you know. And so then you look at what is it would bring peace. And there's only one thing that will bring peace to the Mideast, and that is for Israel to cease to exist. And if Israel didn't exist, there would be peace. You know That, that means you've got to destroy a people. Then the, there would be the narrative is that they proclaim this peace, but I don't see it as peace at all. I see it as a struggle for power and control. Uh, the older uh, I become, I realize that real evil, real evil, the worst forms of evil, always gravitate to power and control. The people that want the one world government, the people that want um, us to, uh, the new world order, uh, those people are being led by powers and principalities of evil. And one of the key areas of the whole world, which is tiny little space, is uh, the land of Israel. And uh, Jerusalem specifically has got a target on it. And the land of Israel as being uh, not that much uh, land in terms of an area, but it's always been critically important to God's timetable. And what happens over there affects the entire world, and that's why the powers and principalities of evil are so concentrated on um, that particular area of the world. And they bring about things for reasons that we don't understand. I, for one, cannot fully uh, accept that Mossad, for example, didn't know that this attack was coming. There's just too much uh, electronic intelligence, too much on-the-ground intelligence that uh, they have access to. Uh, they're the most sophisticated intelligence network in the entire world, and how they allowed uh, the, the Hamas to come in over the border like they did, you know, it, it almost seems like a, a ridiculous narrative to believe. Um, and there's got to be things happening behind the scenes that I don't fully understand, that God's allowing that to happen, for, and they're causing it to happen for reasons that they're not being uh, for, forthright with. I, I agree. You know, that, and, and some of it because we don't understand his ways, but we, but we see it playing into the, into the prophecies or the prophetic timetable of where we're at. Yes. Um, I, I think we can easily see where we're about to step into the birth pangs mm -hmm. of, of what Yeshua talked about in Matthew 24. Mm -hmm. And so how long is it going to be? I don't know. Um, you know, we don't see how many years it could be, but we do know we're on the downhill slide. That, yeah. and, and this is where the urgency comes in of how many people are prepared of what is this world, this war is what it's going to trigger. And you are so accurate in what you had just said. Most people don't know, and it's going to trigger the whole world. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely correct. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things when you use the expression Matthew 24, our audience may not realize what that means, but that's a discussion of the end times. And that's that whole area of that whole chapter. Uh, Yeshua was talking about the end times. And we are experiencing closer and closer and closer to the end times. It doesn't mean necessarily the end of the world, like the end of the earth as we know it, but the end times or the end of the age. 
means the end of the way the systems of the world operate and that what's coming to a close. The systems of the world, the governmental systems, those who control the world the way they have, will at the end of the age, when the age closes, it'll end their reign, it'll end their power. And that's something that they're feverishly trying to hold on to. But they realize it's also coming to a, a denouement, as the French would say, which means the end. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I so agree with you. You know, this has always been a battle of power. I mean, you, you can go back to Lot and uh, Abraham and who's going to, our shepherds can't get along. Uh, so we got to divide things up, mm-hmm. you know, and it's too bad that they couldn't have gotten along. And, and how much more? And look at what it triggered with all of the other things that came from Lot, you know, having two daughters and then, you know, having them by incest. And then two more nations were born because of that. I mean, it's just amazing. You look back at one single event triggers in the next two or three thousand years, uh, critical things that change the whole world. You know, it goes back even further, I think, even to the garden. You just go to the garden and you realize God created the man, the woman, who he called both of them Adam, just to understand good. They're only wired to understand good. And yet when Satan uh, tempted them in the garden to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right, Uh, so that they would understand evil, God never wanted them to understand evil. They never really had the capacity to understand evil. And in that understanding of evil, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it introduced evil into the world, and and it's just death into the world, introduced evil into the world, and we've had to deal with death, and we've had to deal with evil ever since. And there's always been a power struggle from that moment on, because it was laid down uh, prophetically when God said that, uh, prophetically, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. That was the battle line. And so if we see ourselves in a war today, we're not far from that. In fact, I should say not far from that. That's still continuing today. The war of the seed of the uh, woman versus the seed of the serpent. Um, We have these things functioning and we're a constant war because evil is constantly trying to get power over and over and over again. And the only way they really can execute power is to take away our freedom. And we see that being presented all over the place. There's an expression by these evil people called polycrisis. Poly meaning many. Many crises. Polycrisis. And they create crises so that they can give us the solution to the crises. But every crisis that they create and every solution that they offer is always a forfeiture of our freedom. That give us security to get rid of our, to forfeit our freedom. And we continually, uh, as human beings, fall for that. And we get, uh, lose and lose and lose um, our, uh, our freedom to these people who want to control us. Um, and that's totally against scripture, totally against what God has. And that's where we get to the situation where many people uh, find themselves well, they think that they're on the fence, but they can't be on the fence. You've got to be on one side or the other. You've got to be on God's side or you're on the devil's side. It, there's, there's no in-between place for anybody to go. And that's becoming increasingly clear as time goes on. So yes, absolutely. 
And that's what we're going to see even more, Tom, I believe, as we head into the last days here. You're going to see a bigger division of the sheep and the goats. You're going to see a greater uh, uh, difference between belief systems, and, and it's going to become more and more pronounced as we get closer and closer into the into these last days. You know, honoring the Torah, what what uh, God told us to do, that the why Yeshua came in the first place was to bring us back into his ways. And I believe we're going to see a, a greater awakening of people that want to know truth rather than people that are continuing just being okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be um, having to take a break here in a moment. Um, but when we get back, I want to pursue further with you, Steve, when you talk about the Torah, which I know you mean, what you mean by that, specifically the first five books of the Bible, um, and, and God's ways, and how he wants us as the children of God to understand what his ways are. Because we have gotten so far away from that because the way we've been taught and the way our culture has taught us. And I specifically want to deal with the issue of the, of the fact that since the time of Constantine, if not before, we've had this idea that Christians are like on one side of the, of the line and Jews are on the other side. And as uh, people who consider themselves Christians or Christ followers, we're like the New Testament people. We don't really pay attention to the Old Testament, which is a lie. And the Jews are the Old Testament people. They don't pay attention to the New Testament, which is also a lie because the entire Bible was written by Jewish people. That all being said, we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater because that which is biblical, we think is Jewish, and that which is Jewish, we don't think we need to consider. But we need to go back to considering what is biblical for the children of God. And with that, we'll be back in a moment with Pastor Steve. We're back again with Pastor Steve Heimbischner, and we're, we're discussing the issue of the thought that we need to understand what's true from a biblical perspective and not categorize it as Jewish and therefore we don't need to look at it. It's not Jewish religion that we're looking for. It's biblical truth that we're looking for. And in the heart of the Father, the Father's Heart Talk Show, we reiterate time and time again, it's always in the heart of the Father to provide, to protect, and to mentor or to teach. And the most important thing that a father can teach his children is to teach them about biblical truth and what that biblical truth is and not couch it in terms of religious terms but actually in life terms because when you understand when a child understands biblical truth they'll understand uh, the heart of God the Father they'll understand who they are and in that understanding when things are presented to them that will cause them fear, they won't be afraid. You know, the Bible over and over again says, fear not. Well, how can a child fear not? How, how can he avoid being fearful? He can be, avoid being fearful if he really, really knows in the depth of his heart who he is and that God, his father, loves him and that God is a good, good father, absolutely good. If that it's ensconced in your mind or in your heart and in your spirit even deeper, that God is a good, good father, absolutely good, and he loves me with all his heart, and no matter what I do, he's still going to love me. And if I got that right, everything else 
makes life so much simpler and so much uh, easier to deal with. And if I don't have that right, I am going to be constantly bombarded with fear and I'm going to run around from pillar to post being afraid of one thing after the other and the enemy wants us to be afraid so that he can control us. That's the ball game, ladies and gentlemen. That's the ball game right there. And if we could try to get past that, we try to um, receive the things that, that Pastor Steve and I are talking to you about today, and if that can be something that you could introduce into your heart, uh, and we're going to give you practical ways of doing that. Uh, and I'll, give you, I'll start off with one, one very simple practical way that God's been speaking to me. Now, again, I'm coming from a background of I was an Irish Catholic boy, and I got saved when I was 28 years old, which is more than 40 years ago. And uh, I uh, come to a place, I was in a Messianic Jewish congregation early on. God brought me through that. And I was taught uh, the Old Testament from the pastor who was Jewish, a Messianic, a Messianic Jewish pastor, uh, taught me about the Old Testament. And uh, I gained a more and more appreciation of the biblical truths that God put into his word and he wants us to um, uh, activate. And so in a pursuit of inner peace, not to say peace in the world out there, but inner peace, I was, the Lord would put on my heart, and I just shared this uh, the other, earlier today with uh, Pastor Steve, that I want my family and any families that are interested in my local community to begin to uh, experience Shabbat. Now, Shabbat is a Jewish Hebrew word, and it, it talks about uh, the Sabbath and the Sabbath rest and the introduce of the Sabbath rest on sunset on a Friday is the biblical context uh, for experiencing uh, the peace that God wants to give his children. So with that as a background, Steve, share with us which is one of the things we'll start with. There'll be other ones that are biblical truths that families can enjoy with the father taking the lead and the father taking the lead said, I want to introduce to my family a day of rest, a day of rest from the world. And what does the word have to share about Shabbat? And why is it Friday night? And why is it sunset? And what are the things about it that our audience could glean and, and be benefited from knowing about? You know, what a privilege and honor it is, to, again, to be with you, Tom. Like you said, our hearts got joined together a couple of years ago. And, you know, having this understanding of the, the Sabbath, uh, me coming out of a Lutheran background and then a, a Word of Faith background and then coming in and for... And I did that for 25 years, was an evangelist, did all that stuff. And then stepping into Hebrew literally changed my life. I would trade the first 25 years for knowing what I know now. I, my biggest problem, of course, was coming from Sunday to Shabbat. What was it? And then I had the reread where it said evening and morning were the first day. Mm -hmm. And I started to understand that the Sabbath started at Friday night sundown. And so as soon as sundown hit, it was really Saturday. But I looked at the pattern of what was going on in our whole nation. I looked at our whole world, and I saw this one group of people that uh, all they call seven mountains or seven spheres of influence. 
and I saw one group of people that was at the top of every sphere, whether it was whether it was in electronics or whether it was in medicine or whether it was in um, owning businesses or or entertainment or what it was. All of those, there was one group of people that was at the top in all seven mountains, and that was, of course, the Jewish people. And then I started to look and go, why? I thought it was and, the Irish Catholics. What's that? <laughs> I said, I thought it was the Irish Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I started to look at that and find out why, what was going on? Why would this be like this? And then I went back and I started to understand what was going on with the family. Friday nights, they, they ate together. They had what a ceremony called the evening of the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is the center of everything. And in Exodus 31, God says, I'm going to give you a day that sets you apart from all people. The Sabbath is called the wedding ring. It's also the fourth commandment. And so, which is what the church is in, always in rebellion to, is the fourth commandment. And so we, we look at why these people would come together. Dad would be in the home. Mom would be there. And they would invite friends over or, or just a family, most of the time with friends. And they would celebrate the Sabbath as a privilege because it was a holy day. It was his day. It's not a day that you go do your own thing. It's not a day for going to doing, you know, going shopping or mowing lawn and, and all those things because you dishonor him that way. You don't go hunting on that day and all that stuff. And so when we start to, to, to look on what it was, the sanctity of that day, that's the day that we take the covenant meal. It's the most sacred moment of the whole week. On Friday night, when you take the covenant meal, which is the bread and the wine, and and then we have a meal together where we have lots of wonderful food with family and friends, and 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 then we get to share what God's been doing. Why is it so amazing to be able to serve Him? And then when what we do is then after that, uh, we pray. We get the husbands to pray for the wife. The wife prays for the husband. We take them, put the children underneath what we call the hoopah or the prayer shawl, and that it takes a community to praise children. Mm-hmm. And then mom and dad bring their children back, and dad especially looks in the eyes of that child and says, I'm so proud of you. I value you. I am so thankful that God gave you to me in this family. I'm so thankful for you. I know you're going to be prosperous. I know you're going to have a great uh, husband or wife. I know that the Father has put wealth within you. I know that you're going to live a a long time because you honor your mother and your father. See, these are the kind of prayers that mom and dad pray over their kids since they were come out of the womb until they leave their home and, and get married. And so when this kind of atmosphere is done, children have no other alternative but to line up with the prophecy. And that's why Jewish people are at the top of the list. And so they don't, now are they perfect? No. Do they have kids that still go out and do goofy things? Yes. But not as much as the rest of the world. And besides that, it's the pattern that's 6,000 years old. 
And so this pattern has not changed. God doesn't change. And that's why it's so important. Like Tom, like uh, what you have said on your show, that's why I think this radio show is so vitally important that people get to listen to it because you might be the only voice where somebody's going to get to hear this and they're going to be able to plant a seed. So my hat's off to you, Papa Tom, for what you're doing. You know, there's a Latin expression that says vox clementis in deserto. And it means, in Latin, it means a voice crying out in the wilderness. In deserto <laughs> means desert, you know, in the wilderness. Yes. And sometimes I find myself, finding myself, I ask the Lord, I said, am I just a vox clementis in deserto? And he says, wait and see. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Can sure. you ever really have a, a Sabbath dinner without a father being present? If there is, yes. Mom can be there, um, whatever, whatever the head of the family. Sure. Or the oldest son can take over. Absolutely. Well, the reason why because I bring, remember, bring it up is the person doesn't have to be the biological father, but someone no. has to play that role. Yeah. It's, and that's the same thing that happens in a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. If dad is not present to say those very famous words, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased, it can be an uncle, a best friend, it can be the pastor, whoever it is that that, that, that child has uh, understanding and has reverence for. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it's about. You know, I went to uh, several, maybe eight, ten uh, bar mitzvahs when I was growing up in Long Island. And I had a lot of Jewish friends. And I always remembered the parties. I always had fun. I always uh, had Manischewitz wine. For some reason, I always remember being present as well as matzah. But the only expression I remember in my mind years later was, today I am a man, was, yes. was the expression that the, uh, the young 13-year-old boy would say, you know, a friend of mine, today I am a man. And uh, I thought that was a very important thing uh, to express uh, in a person's life, uh, different from experiences I had with uh, in the Catholic Church, they had sacraments, but in the Jewish community, it was uh, as always a bar mitzvah, a bas mitzvah, as you said, for the the boy or the girl. And I always think that it's so important to get back to the heart of the Father, why He gave us the Sabbath, why He gave us this. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was not. Uh, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. That's why it was in conflict with the uh, the Pharisees at that point. And yet it's in the heart of God that a father's heart, that someone who plays the role of the father, be there in the family, presenting to the family uh, this this day of rest for him. And we'll be back in a moment and we'll share other things about why the Sabbath should be in a family's experience. We'll be back in a moment with Pastor Steve Heimbischner. We're back with Pastor Steve Heimbischner and we were discussing the issue of the biblical truth of the Sabbath as a day of rest. And the question I have for Pastor Steve is, why is a Sabbath day so important to the heart of God that he put it in there as one of the Ten Commandments. What was God you know, thinking when he, when he put that in there? It was all about going back to the garden. 
It's all about relationship. It's all about being able to be the father. It's about being the husband. It's, it's about drawing and making sure that he could put something in place that would keep the family together forever. In fact, it would be it's one, something we're going to be using all the way through eternity because it's an eternal covenant. It's an eternal commandment that he gave to us. It's a blood covenant that he made at Mount Sinai to ensure the same thing why it's called the wedding ring. And remember that in a covenant till death do us part. And so that's why he wanted to make sure that this is gonna go on forever. But we have to take a look at the other side. Why is it the world hates it so? Why does the, the evil people of this world hate the Sabbath? And even people that are ignorant or claim to know him hate the Sabbath. They don't want to be a part of the Sabbath at all. Why? And that's what's so amazing to me. Why? Why do you think that they hate it so much? Well, because of the Spirit of God is there. And we got to take a look at what is the Spirit that makes us do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, you're either going to be a part of His Spirit Remember, Yeshua said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not if the fourth one, though. If you don't love me, you will. <laughs> what was that? You, you, you skip, many people skip the fourth one. Yeah. They, they obey do. my commands. All, all t- nine out of ten will obey them, but the fourth one, eh, we don't, we don't think that that's that important. Yeah, because, see, they want to be able to uh, choose the way they want to do things. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the thing that t- comes along. Remember, in the last days, it says every man there will be men doing whatever they want to do in the last days, mm-hmm. and that's the sad part because we're seeing that very same thing happen. How is it that we can have three thousand different denominations? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, and they're then they all got a little different twist because they all want to have their own way instead of how many ways are there? One way, mm-hmm. one God, one King, one Master, one Lord. And, and that's what's so vitally important, that we get to see what do we want his way or do we want his heart? Here's the other thing that comes across is the ignorance and understanding of threshold covenant, a blood covenant. It's no different than the prodigal sons that when he came back to the house, he had to step over the threshold of his father's house. When he did that, he had to adapt to whatever the father had to say, what was in the father's house. Mm -hmm. And when he did that, he got blessed. And so that was one of the most important parts. And so when we look at, can we honor no different than what Adam and Eve did? We're in the Torah portion of this right now of Genesis 1. And this week we'll start Noah. When we look at Adam and Eve, what started the whole thing? They chose to be disobedient. They ate of the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. And that is it any different today? Most people are eating from the wrong tree. They're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's so crazy. And where their fear, you talked about fear coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, the only way fear can come in is if there's a void. Mm-hmm. You see, people that know what's coming or know what's going to go on or know, they're not fearful. But our children today, 
40% of our kids are on Ritalin. They don't understand. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, school psychologists tell us that most children today don't feel valued in their own home. Yeah. How can that be? Well, when is the father going to instill that? When does he get to take the time to do that? Shabbat allows that time. Mm-hmm. When you make that the most important thing, instead of whatever else you got going on, it doesn't matter. But when you put him first, and I would suggest you look up Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. It, 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 it talks about what my when you put my holy day, I'm going to bless you. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do your holy day, if you want to do whatever you want to do, then I can't bless you. And that's the pattern that God has put together Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time. I I believe that Adam and Eve celebrated the Shabbat. I believe that Abraham, I know, celebrated Shabbat and the Passover, even though the Passover hadn't even happened yet, because the Passover was was in the beginning before beginning began. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this understanding, it's like going back to the what is the name of this radio show? The Father's Heart. And if we don't have a Father's Heart to glean to, if a child can't get a Father's Heart, you know, for example, when a baby is born um, in in Israel, what does the mother do? As soon as that baby gets out, still the umbilical cord is still there, what does she say? Shema Israel, Adonai Elohino, what? Deuteronomy 6.4 establishes identity to that baby. And then she says the ironic blessing. Why? Because that baby's heard it for 6,000 years. And now because that creators, they've heard that. Now they're seeing another creator and they're saying the same words. And then a bonding happens. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Sabbath comes in and all of those things. And uh, my son, who's now 25, that's how he grew up. He doesn't know anything different than Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. And he's in. He's deployed right now, and every Friday night he gets to, because nobody else wants to do it with him, he gets to be able to do it on his own. Mm-hmm. Because why? Uh, <clears throat> here's another thing about the bar mitzvahs and the and the Shabbat and all that. He was he was being uh, tested um, at some, with some people in our congregation because Matthew's still a virgin, and and they said, well. You know, how come? And, you know, they were kind of teasing him a bit. And he said, let me tell you, there's only one thing that kept me from from not straying. And he said, I've had lots of chances. And he said, because of the bar mitzvah, I made a promise. Mm-hmm. And that promise has kept me. That understanding of being able to come to Yahweh's ways has changed. And, and we see it all the time. And uh, so this Shabbat is the one. I'll tell you this, uh, Tom. A wise father will bring his child to the Sabbath. A really obedient father, a spiritual dad, the greatest thing he can do for his children is to bring them to the Sabbath. Because remember... That child is made up of 22 Hebrew letters. That's how he's made. And when he's that child comes into the Sabbath, 
just like what you're planning on doing wherever you do it. When you step across that threshold, you're in his presence where there are 22 Hebrew letters. That child, and we talked about, is that child spiritually able or is it, I can't remember the dialogue we had there, but remember that child understands Shabbat Mm -hmm. because their spirit understands. Age appropriate we were talking about. Age appropriate, that's right. And so when we when we look at children don't get age appropriate when they honor the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. They understand the mm-hmm. Shabbat. And if you get a little child at Shabbat, that child's eyes are moving all over because they're already making decisions. Well, I'm I'm going to pray over my wife like that. I'm going to have my husband pray over me. I'm going to pray over them. This is how I'm going to treat my children. This is how they're already even they're 5 6 years old. They're already determining how they're going to be when they grow up. You know, it's interesting. The scripture tells us that uh, God uh, worked for six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And we are in, he is still in that seventh day. He's in his day of rest. But the day of rest, you know, you have to understand the day of rest. The word rest there doesn't mean what we think. Go lay on the couch and watch TV for a while or something. You know, God didn't. He wasn't so stressed out that he had to just quit. So he's not a couch potato. Yeah, the word rest means Shabbaton. It means to celebrate with a solemn celebration. (laughs) And that's what Shabbat is about. To celebrate with a solemn celebration. And, that, and that's what the word rest was. That's why in Hebrews it said they wouldn't honor my rest. Then what? Because they, they everybody needs to take a break? Well, there's a benefit in doing that, but it's how you take the break. I mean, you can, you can come to Shabbat and just have a terrible attitude. Sure. But when you come and this is, you know, this is a sacred moment. <clears throat> you know that Yeshua is going to speak to you. You know that you're going to come away and different than when you than when you came in. That's the difference. You know, each of the uh, uh, books that God gave me to wrote, the children books, Papa Tom's Tales, were always given to me in a dream, and they always came on a Friday night. And on Saturday morning, I woke up and wrote the text because I saw the pictures in my mind, and I can't draw very well. I'm not very good artistically that way, but I can understand words. And I thought about the dialogue. What would it be like? In, a, in the communication between Luke the light bearer and uh, this, whoever the uh, person he was trying to help, and also between Luke the light bearer and God the Father when he sat on his lap, what was that conversation like? And those were the words I wrote on a Saturday morning. And I find uh, writing, I find reading and writing as being two specific things that are very helpful on a Saturday uh, for me to do, particularly Saturday morning. Um, and uh, how my time being occupied in, in uh, doing those things. So is there anything else we can share with our audience um, about the Sabbath and the value of the Sabbath to bring blessing to our family? I think I'll, I'll close off and say, basically, um, the Lord put it on my heart to experience the, uh, the Shabbat dinner, which is the uh, dinner on a Friday night leading into the Sabbath, And it's there because at this time, at the end of the age, which I'm experiencing, just have to open up your eyes and see what's going on, I do not want to have fear, and I don't want my family to have fear. So we want to celebrate 
the day of rest to get the blessing of our Father.